This is the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 105. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm your host, Monica Louie, and today I'm bringing you another incredible interview. We've all heard the phrase, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And that is absolutely true when it comes to online business. Even if you are not a numbers person, I promise you today's show will have you excited about diving into the world of measurement marketing. But first, if you're new to the podcast and you don't know me yet, I want to welcome you. I'm Monica Louie, and I'm a Facebook and Instagram ad strategist where I run a successful ads agency where my team and I manage ads for six and seven figure online businesses. I'm also the creator of Flourish with Facebook ads, which is my online training program that teaches my step-by-step system for creating campaigns that convert. My team and I have managed more than $3 million in ad spend and served thousands of students and clients. And we are in the trenches every single day, keeping a pulse on what's working now in the world of Facebook and Instagram ads. And as you know, Facebook and Instagram ads are always changing. So if you want to stay in the know with all of the changes that are happening right now, you can join my free email newsletter. When you join at monicalouie.com slash guide, you will get my free Facebook ad starter kit as a bonus. As I mentioned today, we are talking about measurement marketing, which is super important to your marketing efforts, whether you're running Facebook ads or not. And my guest today is the best at explaining and helping businesses understand and improve their analytics. My guest today is the incredible Chris Mercer. Mercer, as he's known, is co-founder of measurementmarketing.io and is a sought-after measurement marketing expert. He and his team have been helping marketers, marketing teams, and agencies know, trust, and grow their numbers. First, by planning out what's important to measure in their marketing, then how to actually measure it using tools like Google Tag Manager and Google Analytics, creating dashboards that are actually useful, and pulling actionable insights from what's being measured to begin forecasting and optimizing future results. Mercer spends countless hours reading, practicing, adjusting, and innovating to improve his skill set. He has a knack for teaching and is known for his ability to simplify even the most complex ideas for his audience, as you will certainly hear today. He can be found speaking at conferences and events such as at Traffic and Conversion Summit, Social Media Marketing World, Content Jam, Travel Con, Digital Elite Camp, Baby Bathwater Institute, and others. In today's show, Mercer shares how and why you should get started with measurement marketing, the top tools that will help you measure and manage your marketing. He shares his take on Apple's iOS 14 update that affects tracking and analytics and the three key patterns that are changing the data landscape, why accuracy doesn't exist and why usefulness is a better way of looking at your data, how to track your customer's journey so you know exactly where to focus your time, on improving your funnel and a whole lot more. This was a super insightful interview. I promise you, you're going to get a ton out of today's episode. But before we dive in, I wanna make sure you know that you can find all the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash 105. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E.com slash the number 105. All right, here's my interview with Mr. Chris Mercer from Measurement Marketing. Hey, Mercer, thank you so much for joining me on the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm so excited for our conversation today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Happy to be here. So as I just told you before we hit record, I saw you speak a couple of times at Social Media Marketing World. Just fantastic. One of the presentations that I always walked away with telling people how great it was, how much I learned. So I'm super excited to have you on the podcast, sharing your wisdom with us. And as you know, we are all about Facebook ads and often digging into the data, trying to understand the data and what it's telling us, what's converting. And so I'm really looking forward to digging into all of that with you today. Excellent. Yeah. It's it's like, it's, you know, it's one of those challenges is getting numbers and then kind of to your point, it's like, well, now that you have them, what do you do with them all? So uh, definitely a point of confusion for a lot of people. 
Yes. So before we get into that, though, I would love to hear how you got started in all of this. How did you become an entrepreneur to build your business? I'm always curious about people's backstories. Entrepreneurs, I think it's in my blood, to be honest. Like I've always tried. I used to be that kid who was like, let's just go create a like a weed pooling company and we'll go to the neighbors and see if we can get, you know, get one to pay us five bucks to pull their weeds, stuff like that. So it was always kind of an of interest to me. But in terms of like the one that actually stuck, and, and I've I've done a lot of stuff as an entrepreneur in my in my 20s, especially. I uh, I had an entertainment guy that was like a, a newspaper, which was like internet, but printed for those that are younger. And then also the uh, I used to own a nightclub which was a pretty cool thing in your twenties that worked out pretty well. We had bands come in and things like that, but it was, you know, I was a baby entrepreneur. I didn't have good systems. I didn't, I didn't understand, you know, the idea of, of, as an entrepreneur, it's like, we always try to level up and, Oh, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And, and I lost a lot of that because of just bad systems. And so I went into corporate America kind of as a vacation, to be honest, because it was like, Oh yeah, you've already worked 40 hours. Like you need to go home. You know, it was like, that's a weird thing for an entrepreneur because you just don't do that. And so the thing that stuck for us is when digital came around, when the internet really started exploding and I saw an opportunity to help people kind of make this thing accessible. That's sort of the main thing that we do as a trend is like, we make complicated things easier to do, right? Making them more accessible for people. So I did that with WordPress. I'd learned WordPress. I'd started a Wix site right at the time, back in the day when they were still using Flash and it was super easy, but really not useful. And we started learning WordPress and I'm like, oh, we'll just create a WordPress site, teach people how to do WordPress. So that's what we did. And that led very quickly into the market. This is a big lesson for me. I learned the market can lead your business into greater areas if you just listen to them. And they would come to me and say, well, listen, this is really cool. It's a lot of videos and I love it and I get it. And it's a lot of work. And can you just build the site for us instead? And I was like, okay, well, I guess we'll learn outsourcing. And so we'll bring up a team. And now we, now we develop agent, you know, now we're an agency that develops WordPress sites, but I wanted to differentiate ourselves. And so that's where at the time, this was a new thing in the U S primarily, but it was conversion rate optimization. The CRO trend was starting to hit the U S and it was like, well, we'll build your site, but we're different because we will also optimize your site. And that's what leads us to measurement because first, in order to optimize, you must first measure. So what we would do is we would start handing over, and this, of course, we, you know, analytics and things like that, Google Analytics tools like that. So we would hand over the site to a client. We'd walk them through the site and we'd go into their analytics and say, this is where you can see, you know, how your Facebook ads are creating leads or how your Facebook ads are creating sales, et cetera, et cetera. And what would start to happen almost overnight, it was, it felt like it was overnight, probably it was over the course of a few months, but it was very quickly is referrals, which we used to get from clients for a sense like, oh yeah, Hey, you, you built their site. I need you to build our site. We need changes to our site or something like that. That stopped happening. And it was people coming in saying, Hey, such and such asked me, you know, I was t- show me some stuff. And, and they already, I, we have a site. We don't need a site built. I don't need your dev thing. But our existing site doesn't have any analytics. We have no idea what's working and what's not. Can you set up the analytics part of our site? And that's when we realized really quickly this is the pivot because there's lots of people that could build WordPress sites and we weren't really going to be the best in the world at that. I knew that. So it was like, okay, let's abandon that. But nobody was making Google Analytics accessible. Nobody knew how to use it. Nobody knew how to set it up. Nobody really knew that it needed to be set up, right? It's kind of a a popular misconception. People turn it on and they activate it, but they don't realize it needs to be set up. And that's what we really created measurementmarketing.io. So so our own business evolved, right? The entrepreneur journey evolved. It evolved based upon the feedback we were getting from the market and it, br- it brought us to what essentially has been for almost you know seven or so years now, measuremarketing.io, which is the current brand where we help marketers, marketing teams, and agencies figure out what their numbers are and using tools like Tag Manager and Google Analytics and Data Studio, figure out what to do with those numbers so they can grow them ultimately. I love that so much. That's such a great story. And I love that you listened to the market, you paid attention, and you figured out how you could niche down and make yourself different from what everybody else was doing. And that's kind of similar to my story is that my market led me to Facebook ads, which is actually how I built my business is that I started off with one thing and uh, people kept reaching out for my help with Facebook ads. So then I you know, paid attention to the market. Yeah. And once I sold that blog and then dove into Facebook ads, that's where everything changed. So where do we get started? What, what are the basics of how we should actually get started? What should we have in place so that we know that we are tracking the basics. And then I want to get more granular and detailed about that too. Sure. So the, the way to really think about it, there's really three key steps to, to measuring. And when, you, when you're building out what we call the measure marketing framework. So the idea is that you first have to plan. This is the thing, oddly enough, everybody skips. Everybody skips this planning stage, mostly because they don't realize how powerful it is. 
but first you have to plan things out. And that is, that is the basic steps to that are asking the right questions, right? Listing out all the different questions you're trying to get answers to. Then you have to think about all the different information that you're going to have to measure for in order to answer those questions. And then still in the planning stage, right? Before you open up analytics or even think about anything else, it's, and this is the most important part of everything. It's what actions will I take based upon the answers I get? So in the planning stage, it might be something simple like, well, we're going to, we need to know how many people are opting in for our, our lead magnet, whatever it is. So you say, okay, well, in that case, the information I need to collect is the number of people who see the offer, right? See that opt-in and the number of people who see the thank you page. Therefore, I can figure out the conversion rate and I can now get the answer to how many people are opting in, what our conversion rate is for the opt-in. And then you go, great. Now, what actions will I take about that? Well, if it's less than, let's say, 30% to Facebook cold traffic, I'm going to look at the Facebook campaign, maybe look at the audience, maybe look at the ad copy as it's handing over to the page because there's some sort of disconnect. I should be at least between, let's say, you know, 30 to 40% somewhere in there for cold traffic, maybe, maybe a little lower depending upon the, the market. If it's higher than 45%, because a conversion rate can be too good, if it's higher than 45%, I'm going to go back to Facebook and I'm going to look at the audience and see if we can't scale it out because it's probably a little too high. And you know, yes, it could be just an incredible offer, which is awesome, but unlikely. It's probably that I'm talking to fewer people than I could be. And maybe it's a way to expand out the audience and scale out the audience. And so now you have a really good plan. You know what questions you're trying to answer. You know what information you need to measure in order to get the answers. And you even know what you're going to do with it. You've sort of role-played this whole idea. Then you move into the second step. So the first step being planning, those, those things we just talked about, what we call key of question, information, and action. And then you move into build. Build is where you open up Google Analytics. Build is where you start using tools like Tag Manager and everything else right? that exists. But even if you're just using Google Analytics, the, the idea with build is there's, again, three sort of key, key steps within that process. The first is you have to identify the traffic. And this is the thing that people, again, just don't realize that's out there. But in Google Analytics, there's a thing called UTMs you can use that makes this really easy. But really, you have to identify the who, what, and why. You have to tell Google Analytics this because it won't know it on its own. It makes really good guesses. Like it'll know if somebody came from a search engine, for example. But if you, if you just do Facebook ads and you don't identify the who, what, and why, Google Analytics is going to see that and say, well, they came from Facebook. And you're like, yeah, but what ad? And then Google Analytics will say, well, like I had, I don't know. I have no idea what ad because you didn't tell it, but you can, right? You can identify that. So you learn to use these UTMs and structure them in a way so that they tell a story of who's sending you the traffic, what type of traffic is coming from that, and then what the point of that traffic is for. Why are they coming to the site? So for example, like when we do our Facebook ads, we'll have identified as Facebook because that's the brand name of the source of traffic. We know it's paid traffic, what we'll call CPC uh, is how we identify it, cost per click, but it's just paid traffic. And we know why that traffic is coming there. And I'm not just speaking in terms of like, oh, well, we want, it to, we want somebody to eventually buy the Measurement Marketing Academy, which is our flagship training program. But it's, we want somebody to become aware of the Measurement Marketing Academy. That's the point of the ad. As soon as that ad hits awareness for that product, retargeting kicks in, right? They stop seeing that message. If they accidentally buy that, great. If that's what it took and that's all it took and they buy it, fantastic. But if they don't, they are now getting ads that try to get them interested or to investigate the offer of the Measure Marketing Academy and the messaging changes, right? Based upon the behaviors that are going on. So we do this, the only reason we can do this is because we understand traffic and we know how to identify the who, what, and why. Then you tie it to results, and without, when you just send traffic to the site, you obviously should have some sort of idea of what you're trying to achieve with this traffic. And that's where the results come in. Again, you set this up Google Analytics. Everybody can do this. You can set it up with goals. You don't have to get complicated with e-commerce and stuff like that. You can just do goals in Google, in Google Analytics. Very simple to do. And the, the hard part is not setting the goal. The hard part is figuring out what the goal should be. And this is where we have this ACE model that helps you here. So with traffic, it's all about who, what, and why. With results, it's all about ACE, which stands for awareness, completion and engagement. So you think about the customer journey that you're, you're presenting to the marketplace that you want the market to go through. Like for us, for the Academy, I'll use that as an example for the Measure Marketing Academy. The customer journey for the Measure Marketing Academy is first, they must be aware that we even have a thing called the Measure Marketing Academy. So we trigger awareness when the page first loads, let's say. Then we need to be able to know when, did, if they completed the customer journey, right? Did they complete the Academy customer journey, which in this case is the thank you page, right? When they purchase. So we measure a goal for that when that thank you page happens. So now we know how many people started the journey or at least aware of the journey, how many people completed the journey. And then we measure for engagement along the way. And there could be, depending upon the length of the customer journey you have or the steps in your funnel, you can have multiple E steps, but the E is all about engagement. So for us, it's the cart page. When they see the cart page, we know they've engaged. 
And now we can start to know not only what our results are in terms of number of sales, but I know how we're getting those results. So I can start doing more front of funnel metrics to say, well, I need, I need to know if I wanted 10 sales, I don't focus on 10 sales. For me, that, that's a symptom of a system. So, but I know my system now, right? I know my results. I know, my, I know what we would call the results and how. I know my results. I know how I'm getting my results. So our, our expectation now for marketing department is I need you to get 1,500 people to this page. And then we know what will happen with those 1,500 people. So the system sort of takes over at that point. So marketing has a very clear cut goal and they can measure it and they can, you know, the ads are coming over and the ads are saying, Hey, we're just here to make people aware of the Academy. The system takes over from there, et cetera, et cetera. So we have traffic and you have results and you tie those together. So they essentially start telling a story. There's a few things you do in Google analytics to do that, but it, it basically, it can be like that where you can just start looking at the reports and instantly knowing where the traffic is coming from, what results you're getting from that traffic. So you know kind of what to adjust as you go. So that's kind of the plan and the build stage of things. And once you've got those done, then it's all about act. You act upon the stuff that you've got, right? You activate everything. So that's where you look at the reports and you get your benchmarks and you start to understand, yeah, my, my like for our case, I know with the Academy that roughly speaking, it's typically around eight to 12%. So let's say 10% on average, roughly speaking, 10% of the people who see the Academy page will go to the cart page. Roughly speaking, again, it's always a range, but let's just keep it whole numbers. Roughly speaking, 40% of the people will complete the cart to get the Academy so that I know how our customer journey works. So because I know that, because I've got those benchmarks now, I can start to forecast, which is another thing that people just don't realize they can do. So now, instead of saying, oh, what happened last week or what, what, what just happened yesterday? Instead of that, you start saying, here's what's going to happen next week. I'm going to give Facebook $1,000. They're going to give me 800 eyeballs to this page. Of those 800 eyeballs, 200 are going to go to this step, and 50 of them are going to complete at this much money, and that's how I'm going to make this much revenue. And you can actually measure for that. You have your forecast, and then you measure against your forecast, right? which you thought was going to happen. And what will happen is instantly, you will start to see what's working and what's not and where you need to focus, and that's how you optimize and so that whole concept of you first, you plan it out and you kind of do your role plays and think about your questions, information, and the actions you're going to take based upon the answers you get. Then you do your build out. And this is where you make sure that the you know, platforms like Google Analytics have all the information they need to be able to tell you all this stuff. Then it's just all about acting upon that information. And then that's what tells you, especially the forecasting and optimizing stage. When you measure against your forecast, you will instantly know, hey, I got to focus on that Facebook ad or I got to focus on the offer because it's not the ad. The ad's doing a great job, but nobody likes the offer. And then I go into the cart. And then that's how you measure, use measurement to actually help guide your focus and ultimately to improve your own results. I love that. That, that is so helpful to break all that down. I want to go back to the, the build stage and you mentioned mm -hmm. Google Analytics, Google Tag Manager. How, can you explain the difference between those and how do we know if we need Google Tag Manager? What I'm hearing is that everybody should have Google Analytics set up, but yeah. how do we know if we need Google Tag Manager, if that's going to be helpful or if that's too much maybe for us? Really, really good question. So when you think about a platform like Google Analytics, it does three things primarily. First is it collects information, right? Typically that information is just behaviors. It's collecting behaviors that are happening on the page. Things like a page view loading up or a button being clicked or whatever, right? So it's just collecting behaviors. It then stores those behaviors in its database. And that's how I actually think about Google Analytics. It's just a big giant database of behaviors of the marketplace. And then it builds reports based upon all that information in its database. So it collects information, it stores that information, it then reports that information. And that's, of course, where you and I as users of Google Analytics will go into it. That's where we interact with it, right? that's a reporting stage. So that's what it does on its own. And this worked for a very, 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 very long time, worked for many, many years. However, the behaviors that it collects on its own are really pretty generic. It's like page views, right? Like when they land on one page, it collects that but it doesn't know that they spent 10 seconds on the page. It doesn't know that they clicked on the button. It doesn't know that they watched 35% of your video. It doesn't know that they stared at the testimonial section for 15 seconds, right? It doesn't know that sort of behaviors. It just knows page loaded and then another page loaded or it didn't. And that's all it can tell you. So it's kind of generic about collection. That's why Tag Manager was created because Tag Manager is a tool from Google that works very tightly with Google Analytics along with other platforms like Facebook. But with Tag Manager, it's designed to just collect behaviors. That's all it does. So it doesn't store those behaviors in a database. It doesn't build reports. There's no reports in Tag Manager. It just collects behaviors. So you can tell Tag Manager, listen, when somebody comes to, like we do, we do, we do this with the Measure Marketing Academy. When they come to the Measure Marketing Academy page, if they look at the pricing table 
for at least four or five seconds, like it's five seconds for us. When they look at that pricing table in the viewable browser window, right? When they're actually, when it's visible to them and there's, and they're looking at it for at least five seconds at that point, I want you to tell Facebook they have investigated the offer. I want you to tell Google Analytics they've investigated the offer. And I want you to tell Google Ads they've investigated the offer so that we can adjust messaging accordingly, right? So that's something that Tag Manager does incredibly well. It's not hard to use that tool. There's a learning curve to it. Absolutely. It is Googly. Of course, it's a little, you know, it feels a little techy and googly, but it truly is made for marketers to be able to get to that sort of granularity of, of behaviors that they're trying to, to collect. And so you have Tag Manager that now all of a sudden you've leveled up your ability to collect behaviors. So Tag Manager helps solve that. You still use Google Analytics to store behaviors because it is incredible at storing behaviors. It is built to store behaviors, right? That's all it does. So now it does know that they landed on the page. They were there for 10 seconds. They scrolled halfway down. You know, they spent four seconds looking at the offer. Like it knows all of that stuff. It knows what buttons they clicked on because of Tag Manager telling it. And that's what it does and does. So Tag Manager just collects everything. Google Analytics stores everything. And let's talk about those reports because Google Analytics is great. But again, those reports are kind of like the nemesis for a lot of people, especially if you're not quote unquote a numbers person. But this concept of you go into analytics, you go like, oh, I have no idea what this means, right? You see a million different numbers floating around. None of them make any sense. They all seem to contradict each other sometimes. And that's the problem with the Google Analytics report. So it does do reports. It has reports, but they can be a little harder to get through. And it's a little harder to get to the answers and the actions that you want to get from those reports. So that's where Data Studio came out. And Google said, oh, we're going to create an entire platform, an entire tool that just does reports. That's what you use it for. And so that's sort of the trifecta. And that's why you hear about these products mentioned so often as the three that you're supposed to use. So you use Tag Manager to collect behaviors. You use Google Analytics to store those behaviors. Then you use Data Studio to actually build reports and dashboards on those behaviors so you can get to the actions that you're really trying to take. Very cool. Okay. So we use data studio with our clients. We build a custom data studio dashboard for each of our clients. And then we pull out the data that is important to our clients. And then we make these pretty cool graphs and charts that kind of tell the story of what's happening with the data. And that has been a game changer for our clients to understand the reports and the numbers because some of our clients aren't numbers people. And it's, it's super helpful to, you know, make it just transparent about what is happening with the ads. Yeah, I think that's exactly right because it's one of the powers of Data Studio is you you don't with Google Analytics you're sort of forced into seeing if you want to get a specific answer from a specific report even if you know what you're doing you got to sort through a bunch of stuff sometimes and say and you have to know that this isn't this doesn't mean anything I don't need to look at this right now but with Data Studio you just don't ever show that stuff right you can you can make a nice little flow chart like that's what we have for our dashboards as a company for measurement marketing to IO is we I see a dashboard that our team's built that shows. Here's how many people saw the page. Here's how many people saw the cart. Here's how many people saw, you know, actually purchased. So I know my results and how I'm getting my results. I know our revenue amount. I also know how they're reacting on the page itself. How many people are actually like on the offer page itself? Again, how many people are looking at that offer at the actual pricing table for five seconds? How many people actually scrolled and stuck around for a minute? You know, that those sort of behaviors. So I can understand if I need to make any copy adjustments or work with a marketing team to make copy adjustments on the pages. And the beauty of this is, you know, to your point earlier, it's the market telling you these answers. I didn't have to come up with it. I didn't have to go to a mastermind. I didn't have to go watch YouTube videos or read a million blog posts or guess. There's no drama. It's just the market saying, um, if you could change your headline, that would be awesome. And we would probably stick around a little longer. Or, you know, I'm with you, but I just didn't like the offer. I looked at it and decided not to go to the cart. So maybe if you could make a better offer or restate the offer in a, in a way that might be a little better. And that gives our marketing team very clear focused direction on, on where to make changes. And, and ultimately, you know, they change their, they know their forecast so they know what should happen when they make the changes. So they can always see again, going back to the market saying, Oh, Hey, we made the change. What do you think? You know? And again, the market says, yeah, this is great. This works well. In which case now it's just scale, go out there and get more eyeballs. Right. Or if they say, well, no, not really. We try again, but it's always the market that's in charge. And the, and the focused dashboards help us to do that. Wonderful. Okay. So Apple's iOS 14 recently mm-hmm. rolled out and that's kind of throwing a wrench in, in, you know, the data side of Facebook ads. And so can you help us figure out the better ways to track the results of our Facebook ads in the age of iOS 14? Should we definitely then be using Google Tag Manager to help with that and Data Studio? What are your thoughts or what have you seen? And how does that kind of affect all of this from Facebook ads standpoint? So great question. So let's let's tackle that that second thing first, which is like, you know, when do you use Tag Manager? When do you use Data Studio? You know, all of that sort of stuff. I personally am a big, this is just from my, the way that I look at it with all of my companies. When I look at a tool, 
because let's face it, like just probably 15 other analytics tools that were created in the time you and I have been talking, right? Like they're always a new thing. There's always some new stupid push button, simple thing that'll be the answer to everything if only we paid enough money. But Google Analytics is a free tool. Tag Manager is free. Data Studio is free. I personally, whenever I decide to move into a new tool, it is because I'm starting to outgrow the tool that I'm currently using. So if you are listening to this podcast right now and you're just using Google Analytics and it's doing the job and it's answering the questions that you are currently asking, I say, stay with that. Like it's, if it's working, it's working. What will happen it is guaranteed this will happen because the journey that we're all on is you, once you kind of, when you cross the mountaintop, you start seeing the next mountaintop kind of thing when you're hiking, it's the same sort of thing. You would, you would, when you get the answers to the first round of questions, you will start asking questions about other things, things that Google analytics, your current implementation maybe can't answer. And that's where you then level up. So for example, for us, when we just cared about page views, Google Analytics was fine by itself. But when I start asking questions like, gee, I wonder how many people are actually coming to the page, sticking around 10 seconds, scrolling halfway down, and then looking at the offer for five seconds. Well, Google Analytics couldn't do that on its own. So we have to bring in Tag Manager, right? And then we, of course, as a team, we learn Tag Manager and then level that up. And that's sort of how you know when to go to the next tools, when you start to outgrow the tool and you, and you sort of have to. I'm not a big believer in, in just adding tools for tool's sake because we all have other things to do. Unless you're a very big company, you've got lots of resources where there's a team member whose job it is to do that. That's awesome. But most of us aren't. We're small companies. We've got limited resources and we've got to be careful about getting caught up in that squirrel moment, right? When it comes to tech. So, so that's kind of the first thing. Add it when you need it, when you, when you are trying to get answers to questions and you just can't collect the information the way you're doing it. You need to improve things. That's, that's when you do that. Now let's talk about the whole iOS thing. So I'm going to take a different way of approaching this with, to say, this, this is not just about iOS. People think it is right now because Facebook f- sufficiently flexed their muscle and freaked out the world, specifically small business, to say that, you know, hey, fa- you know, Apple's against small business and they, and they did a whole freak out, which freaked everybody else out. But with one of the beauties of being around for a while in digital marketing is you start to see patterns, right? We, one of our famous sayings here is this truth is in the trend, the power is in the pattern. And this is just another thing that we've seen before where things will change. In measurement specifically, there are three big things that are happening. One, and these are kind of the storms that we're in. One is a storm of tech changes. So Safari actually almost a year and a half, two years ago, made a major change, which affected everybody's numbers, but nobody knew because it was a very technical change that wasn't flagged by Facebook and they didn't flex their muscles and nobody said anything, but measurement people knew that they lost some stuff when it comes to Safari because of how they measure. Google with Chrome next year is going to do the same thing. And there's going to be some loss of measurement. You've got browsers like Brave now that don't measure anything. You've of course got the iOS change that everybody knows about now. And you've got other changes that are coming down in terms of extensions and and different tools and systems that are, are making it easier from a technical perspective to not be measured. So tech is a big storm and it is going to be, there's going to be less things that you can measure. You're going to have access to less data, not more. That is guaranteed. Not even a, that's not even a theory. That's a fact that will be less to measure a year from now and five years from now than there is right now. So that's just the one storm of tech. Then you've got this other storm, which is laws, right? The big famous one, of course, is GDPR. Everybody knows about it happened three years ago or so now. And so you've got GDPR that came out. California came out with one. The US will certainly come out with one. Other countries will as well. Brazil did. I mean, everybody else will. There will be a worldwide cookie consent thing that's coming out. Google is actually putting in some massive, massive, massive effort in leading the way to help countries to be able to figure out consent so they can guide that conversation a little bit, but it is going to be a thing. And there's a whole consent management platforms are now a thing that's, you know, what they call CMPs and and, and consent management is going to be a thing that all of us, even small businesses, will be having to, to manage. And that's because of laws. So you've got tech coming down, you've got laws coming down as a storm. The third storm, and this is kind of the biggest one, it's actually driving both of the other two, are users. And we're, we're very quickly moving past that phase where Mark Zuckerberg was famous for saying, like, people don't care about privacy, which was true for a while until that faded. And then it came back with a vengeance where people were like, you know what? I do care about privacy. In fact, I want all my stuff back. And that's been the battle is who owns what, right? And there's a big trend where the users are now saying, instead of, hey, yeah, take whatever you want. I don't care as long as it's free to no, I own the data at all times. I will lease it to you, right? I will let you use it. But the second I need it back and I want to know what you have. And so there's this user control of data, which again, will just get bigger. So all these storms will just get bigger. Now, the reason that I, I talk about it like this is, 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 is that just understand everybody that's, that's freaking about the iOS thing. I understand that. And it's bigger than that. 
you should, you know, there's going to be, this is a trend that you have to get used to. iOS is just one of a thousand things you're going to talk about that will hurt your ability, will restrict your ability of what's possible to be measured. So that means we have to get very, very good at measurement because if you're really good at measurement, these things don't freak you out anymore. And the way to think about it is one of my favorite quotes is the map is not the territory, which means to say, sometimes you do a GPS, right? And you're, and you're using Google maps or, or Apple maps, or whatever. And it says, oh, go down the street, but it's a one-way street. That doesn't mean that that GPS is, is correct, right? It's a one-way street. It just has the wrong information. The map is not the territory that you're driving on, right? And so in measurement, it's, it's the same thing. So you have to, the map is changing, but the territory is not, and that's a key component. So yes, you may not be able to see every single person who's coming on an iOS 14.5 device who's on your site. You might not be able to see that. However, they are there and you will still see their sales because the CRM has to see that, right? They have to be able to collect a credit card. So there's going to be still record of people making sales. And then what you start to do is you get really good at trends and patterns as a measurement marketer. And that's the idea is you look for the trends and the patterns. And so in my example, you know, with the Measure Marketing Academy, I talked about earlier about how I know 10% of the people will go from page one to the cart, right? From the offer page to the cart. And 40% of the people are going to complete the cart. In a year, I absolutely expect those numbers will be different. They will be different. That doesn't mean that my funnel changed. That doesn't mean that, it just means that what I can measure, what I have visibility in, I have a little less visibility, but it's okay. I can just adjust those numbers because the map is changing. That's all I have to do is I have to adjust the map a little bit. Finally, on, on this point is there's a, a thing called the law of large numbers, which is you know what I love about people is that in individually, we're very, very hard to protect. But as a mass, we're incredibly easy to protect with patterns. This is how I know that most cold traffic you know, funnels are going to be 25 to 35%. I'm sure you've seen the same thing when it comes to opt-in rates. Warm traffic is going to be 45 you know, to, to 65%, depending on the audience. Like it's just, this is how people are. A third of the people are going to show up to a webinar. Maybe 25 to 35% are going to show up to a webinar, right? Not everybody does. Like This is just how people are. So you see these patterns and trends that are out there. They are stable. They are reliable. You can predict them. You can forecast them, which is how we know they're useful because you can forecast them. But when it comes to this concept of missing data, where you where you know measuring stuff that can't be measured anymore, like how do you actually do it? Just remember that you think about polls and how polls work. Pollsters don't ask a thousand, you know, they don't if they're trying to figure out what a million people are doing or how they're going to go. They don't ask a million people. They don't have to, right? When you do a split test. You don't have to have a million people to go through a funnel. You need a sample to go through, right? You need a statistically significant sample. You need just enough people to get the pattern and the trend. And once you have that, then you can kind of know how the group is going to go, or at least have a better probability of how the group is going to go. That's all you need. So in the case of understanding like how a hundred people are going to operate, you need to probably ask a hundred people because it's a very small group. But if you want to know how, you know, let's say, 100,000 people are going to operate. You probably need to know about 10,000 people to ask them, you know, and, and then you can know how the rest of the group is good. The other 100,000 are going to go. If you want to know how a million people are going to go, it's like 12 or 13,000. It's not that much more because the pattern is there. The trend is there. And so as a marketer, that's the mission is, is moving from measurement being an afterthought and trying to ask, like, after you spend all the money going, what happened to all that money? It's instead you, you flip it where measurement becomes primary. It comes to the front of the table now. And you go, okay, here's how this is supposed to work. Did it work like it's supposed to? And you measure against that. Finally on this, and it, you know, we, we saw just very recently, actually, in our own numbers, because we, you know, in the tech world, they call it eating your own dog food, where it's like, do you, do you do what you say you should be doing for other people? And we saw in our numbers, there was a drop in an expected step. We thought we would, let's say roughly numbers, let's say we, we thought we would have 100, we ended up having 50, which was abnormal. It was, it was a, a blip. And so we're looking at this and we, we looked in Google Analytics and we saw that there was a drop and it was in Apple stuff where we just see a lack of visibility in Apple stuff right now, not as much as we could see. So how are we adjusting to that? Well, again, the, we can't do anything about it. We know it's going to be a thing, but we're very, very good at measurement and we know trends and patterns. So we essentially already know how Apple people operate because we have a past history of Apple people, number one. So I already have that trend. And so... We, we have that already in place. So we're not freaking out. We're not making any massive adjustments because nothing's really changed. It's still happening. It's just that we can't see it happening. So we rely on past data. And then what we do is we maintain, this is just, a, you know, it's only, this is pretty recent that this whole Apple thing happens. So it's just now starting to hit the numbers. And so you look at it and say, okay, is this a pattern where we're always going to see this lack of visibility? And do we, do we 
have to adjust things, right? Do they all, do Apple people all of a sudden stop buying our stuff for some reason? Highly unlikely, you know, but we'll keep an eye out for it. But we don't make any knee-jerk reactions as we go through. We want to see what the trends and the patterns are because that's the thing that you can make decisions on. That's great. That's, uh, thank you for breaking all of that down. It truly is, you know, in this world as, as marketers, there will always be something that is changing, that is affecting, you know, the market or the, the tools will change, the, the results will change, but also, you know, kind of understanding that there will, that the numbers will change, like you said, in your funnel, that the numbers will be different this time next year. And so just to expect that there, that there will be those changes, but you can also, if you know your numbers, see what those trends and patterns are. So that's super helpful the way that you broke that down. So can you go back to the UTM codes? Mm-hmm. I know that you you touched on that and kind of the benefits of that, but that is something that in the age of iOS 14, we're definitely recommending to our students and implementing with our clients more and more on using the UTM code. So could that help us kind of understand and see what is happening? Because as you said, though, I think it is a huge point to make that just because Facebook is not reporting the, the same numbers, you know, at the levels that they used to be before iOS 14 rolled out, that it doesn't mean that people aren't seeing the results. So what that's what we've been exactly. sharing with our clients and customers exactly is right. that it doesn't mean that, that fewer people are seeing the ads, fewer people are clicking over. It's under-reporting those results. But as you said, you can see on the back end the sales that are occurring. So can the UTM codes kind of help us still to, you know, quote unquote, see that data when we look at that in Google Analytics or, or Tag Manager? Is that something that can be beneficial here? Hundred percent, and and you know when it comes to UTMs, again, these are things that if anybody is not sure what a UTM is, just go to your email, start clicking on links that you're getting from people, and look in the URL, and you'll see where it says like UTM underscore source equals whatever, and UTM underscore medium equals whatever. That's why people call them UTMs all the time. But these are tags that we essentially these little parameters we put in the URL, and they and they tag our traffic. And so when and that's the only reason for UTMs is for Google Analytics, right? But which everybody uses, which is why they're so popular. So the with Google Analytics, when you use UTMs, the the first step is knowing that they're a thing and to start using them. But the reason why you want to use them is because you can tell a better story. So instead of Google Analytics knowing they came from Facebook, but it has no idea where they came from, was it because you shared our stuff? Was it because it was a paid ad? Was it because I shared my stuff on my personal page? Was it one of the right-hand ads? Was it a mobile? Who knows, right? It's, It's tough for Google Analytics to know that unless you use UTMs. Because with the UTMs, you can identify five different points of data. So the first one is the source of traffic, which is Facebook in this case, right? So it's the brand name of the traffic source, which is Facebook. The second thing that you can identify is the type of traffic, which in our case will be CPC, right? Paid traffic. The third thing you can identify is what was the purpose of the traffic? This is a little different than that why thing I was mentioning before, but the purpose of the traffic might be like for us is, okay, this is for the measurement marketing academy journey. Right. So we might say, okay, we know it's a Facebook paid ad for the purposes of the measurement marketing journey itself, measure marketing academy journey for that product. And then you can go further. There's two other things you can you can define with UTMs. One is the term, which we normally put in the headline of the ad. So we know which headline it was that was in the ad. And then the other thing we put in is in the content. This is called UTM underscore content section. In there is where we put in differentiators. These are the details. And this is where the secret sauce is. Because this is where, like, if you go to our analytics, you would see where it says Facebook paid ad. And then in that content section, it says the ad identifies itself. And it tells us, it says, listen, I was here to make somebody aware of the Measurement Marketing Academy. I was focusing on men and women between the ages of 25 to 54, or I was focusing on the retargeted audience of people who were already being introduced to the brand and, and knew about the brand before, you know, the measure marketing to IO brand. And it identifies not only who it was targeting, it identifies what it was trying to get those people to do, why it was sending people over to the site. So there's a handoff for our marketing department. And then our marketing department can say, well, do we judge this campaign as not working because it didn't create any sales? And technically at that level, they can't answer that. So they dive into it and they say, well, let's go look at all the ads whose job it was to create sales. And if the ad was designed to create a sale and it did not create a sale, okay, fine. Now let's go back to Facebook and adjust the ad. But if the ad was like, listen, I wasn't here to create sales. I wasn't here to make people aware. There was other jobs. You know, that's, that's the job of email or something else to make a sale. Then we don't judge it harshly. We go, we have a goal for Academy Aware, which for us is technically when they land on that page and they're there for 10 seconds. So we, we assign that as a goal. And that's how we judge the Facebook campaign. Because we're not trying to sell things from Facebook. We're trying to use Facebook as a platform to help our users move through a customer journey. 
of being aware of measure marketing.io as a brand, to being aware of the measure marketing academy as a product, to engaging with that product, to ultimately purchasing that product and using that product. And so that's how we use the platforms is to, is to measure through the different stages of the customer journey. And UTMs are how we identify that. So we know what's working and what's not. That is super helpful. And I love, I love that reminder too, is that, you know, with marketing, everything is a touch point. And sometimes depending on the offer, people need seven or more touch points before they're ready to make a yes. purchase. And yes. so a lot of times people, they've been trained with Facebook ads to think if I'm putting, you know, so much money in, I better be getting so much money out, but really it comes down to what was the goal of your campaign? Was that a lead gen campaign where you're just trying to grow your email list and then you've got an email funnel or something on the other end that is really supposed to be driving the sales? Maybe you've got some other retargeting ads that will help to bring people back to the sales page in order to encourage them to make the sale. Or is it a top of funnel? Are you warming people up with a video or a blog post? If that's the goal of the campaign, then it's nice if you get a sale off of that, but that's not your primary goal for that campaign. So just keeping that in mind as you're structuring your campaigns. Absolutely. And, and I love the fact that when you think about how things are typically done digitally, I always try to make like an offline example in my head on it. So let's say that, you know, I've got a shoe store and you come in and I welcome you to say, Hey, Monica, you know, welcome, welcome to the shoe store. What can I help you with? And you're like, Oh, sorry. I was trying to look good for the nail salon. I thought, that was, Oh, sorry. That's next door. Just go there. That would be the end of the conversation. But digitally, what would happen is I would then follow you to the nail salon and I would ask you to buy shoes. And then you would leave the nail salon. I'd be like, Hey, do you want to buy those shoes now? And you're like, I had no interest in shoes. Like I was just in the wrong spot temporarily. And now you're following me around everywhere. This is what digital marketers do all the time, right? But offline, you would never do that. So the, uh, the idea that we have, we're having a conversation with our users. And this is why I'm really excited actually about the, the, what, what everybody else sees as these massive, horrible changes with iOS and the tech and everything else. I'm excited by it because I think it's going to help marketers, especially in small businesses, understand the power of brand and understand the, the power of customer journey, understand the power of having a conversation and get back to the fact that they should be having a conversation with their users. The reality is if this was an offline store that you and I were in, I would help you out. You know, you'd say, Hey, I'm looking for sneakers. I'd walk you to the sneaker section. We'd find different sneakers. I'd try them on. I'd try to upsell you some socks on the way out, get you to join the list so I can send you coupons to get you to come back. Right. That's the typical sort of offline cycle. And that's what absolutely can happen digitally. But if you don't measure if you're not using tools like Google Analytics to measure the market, to see how they're responding to your site, because essentially you can't have a conversation with them, but your site can, the web pages can. So if you're not measuring as a marketer for that, it's like you're not listening to their side of the conversation. So if you don't know what their side of the conversation is, how can you possibly adjust your side of it, which is the marketing, right? That's how we adjust our side of the conversation is changing the tags and the headlines and the offers and whatever else, the copy so that's what measurement marketing is all about is measurement is the idea that we're listening to their side of the conversation. Marketing is what we do to adjust the conversation and keep the conversation going in the direction that we want to. So I think that all the changes that are coming by are, are kind of pointing people in that general direction to understand that there is a conversation that's being out there. It's absolute. The market does not hide from us. They just want to be asked. Yeah? They don't mind being, they really don't mind having a good conversation with us because it helps them too. We just have to be willing to listen and use the tools that are available to us to do that. Uh, I love that. I love that example of the shoe store and the nail salon. It's so true. So, you know, we have different platforms, different, we've got Google Analytics, Tag Manager, Data Studio, we've talked about, but also, you know, on our end, we've got maybe lead pages that get mm. reports something, Facebook says something else, Google Analytics says something <laughs> else. Do you, you yeah. know, do you have some guidance for us on how, what do we, what should we pay attention to? What do we know? Like, how can we verify the accuracy, I guess? So great. Okay. So first <laughs> let's handle the eight word, which is what we call accuracy here. We never call it accuracy. There is no such thing as accuracy. It doesn't exist, right? The closest you can ever get to accuracy is when you have half the world and you hire half the world to file around the other half of the world, but only then you would get their opinion of what happened, not actually what happens. There's no such thing as accuracy. What you're really looking for is usefulness, right? So you can actually rely on this number to take some sort of action to make this number look like this in two weeks or three weeks or whatever, right? To enhance that number. So that's what we're really looking for. So, so avoid accuracy and thinking about that. Instead, you think, okay, do I have a useful, something useful? That's what you're looking for. So that aside, then it's, okay, Facebook says one thing, Google Analytics says something different. My cart says something totally different. Lead pages says something totally different. Kajabi says different. Carter says right. different, right? And this is absolutely going to happen. The instinct which I get because I was the same way when I first started. The instinct is, well, we got to get all these on the same page, right? They have to be saying the same thing. 
But the reality is they never will because they are all speaking different languages. So even though they can all describe an apple, they're all going to have different words for apple, right? And, and so, and there's different nuances to that. And so in the, in the thing of Facebook, you realize like Facebook only sees Facebook. Facebook doesn't know that email was interjected in the message and, and that they actually bought because they saw the third email of the autoresponder series. Facebook doesn't know that, right? Mm -hmm. But Google Analytics does. So when you say, what caused the sale? Facebook would raise its hand and say, hey, I caused the sale, right? Because it's been within the seven-day window where the attribution right. window is. But Google Analytics is going to be like, well, no, Facebook didn't cause it. Email caused it. They're both right. It's just that Facebook only sees Facebook's stuff. Google Analytics sees everything, which is why we mostly do use Google Analytics as our primary source of what we call useful truth. So that's that's what we use analytics because analytics has access to all the different traffic sources, right? Lead pages only let you see what lead pages has access to, but it doesn't have the other stuff that you can the level of granularity in terms of the conversation, right? The details of the conversation that Google Analytics can. So we typically will use Google Analytics and we, and we really work toward setting up our measurement implementation so that analytics is our primary source of useful truth. And then we don't try to get the other platforms to agree with it because we understand they're not going to, right? They all, they all have their different versions of the truth. But it goes back to that saying we talked about earlier, the truth is in the trend, the power is in the pattern. They should all agree on the trend and the pattern. That's how you know if you've got it set up or not. So for example, if Facebook says uh, you've made five sales and Google Analytics says you made two sales and your cart says you've made 10 sales, you know, just keeping it around. You're like, okay, not great. You know, maybe there's an implementation issue, but let's say you go everything. It's like, no, it's set up, right? They just all have different ways of, of doing this. But then Facebook says, you know, let's say a couple of weeks later, you're measuring stuff again. And Facebook says, okay, well, now you've done you know, you're averaging 10 sales a day and Google Analytics says, well, yeah, you're averaging only four sales a day. And your cart says, yeah, you're averaging 20 sales a day. They're actually all telling you the same thing in their own way. They're all describing an apple, right? They're just using different words for it. What they're all saying is your sales doubled. Your trend mm -hmm. is doubled. They're all agreeing on the trend. That's how you know that they're all technically agreeing as long as that trend is there. Now, if Facebook says, oh yeah, you got 10 sales. Google's like, no, you don't have any. And your cart's like, no, you only had two. Well, now they're disagreeing on the trend. Facebook saying things doubled, the cart's saying, no, they want, they'd stayed the same. And Google Analytics is like, no, they disappeared. Now you know there's probably some technical implementation issue that you might have in your measurement system you got to fix. But if they're trend, if they're all agreeing on the trend, then you're good. You have, you have something useful still you can work with. And again, I still like using Google Analytics because it's, it's the tool that's got the most visibility into the most things happening at any given point in time, right? Regardless of traffic source, which is why we like using it. Yeah, that's really helpful because I know a lot of people can get stuck in the numbers about why is mm -hmm. it different. If, if so many people went to the page and so many people converted, then we should all agree on what actually happened. I like this you know, perspective of usefulness versus accuracy. It, it short circuits that conversation, right? Because the thing is, you can't get accuracy. There is no such thing. It doesn't exist. And so when you realize that, you're like, okay, well, we'll be really, the reason we want it to be accurate is so we know what actions to take to improve the number, Right which is usefulness, not accuracy. And as long as you got something useful, you're good. And, and trends and patterns will help you because you can use those to forecast, right? They're always, you know, typically it's like a percentage. So, you know, oh, our, our closing, you know, we close, let's say two to 3% on cold traffic is what this particular offer trends. You know, the trend is that it, you're close to two to 3% of the people that see the page will actually buy it, the, the product. Well, if you know that, you know, if that's your benchmarks and you've got a pattern of that, a trend of that, that's probably what's going to happen next week and the week after and the week after. And you measure to make sure that still happens. And then you judge the traffic sources against that. So Facebook should do that. If you bring in Google ads, it should do that. You know, So trends and patterns are very, very important. Almost, I think it's the most important thing to, to as a measurement marketer to make sure you get a grasp of. That's really great. Okay. So we've been talking a lot about you know our own products, but what about when we are an affiliate for somebody else's product? I know many of my clients and students are affiliates for a number of different offers on their blogs and they have a challenge with tracking, accurately tracking the affiliate sales, but also in conjunction with our Facebook ads or Pinterest marketing or where the traffic is coming from that is leading to those affiliate sales. So how can we use these tools to help us figure out what is most accurate? Well, there's that word again. Yeah. Um, see how easy it is, right? It's 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 like ingrained. I was the same way. So don't feel bad. I'm the same way. Hundred percent. Okay. So what do you, what do you have for us as far as measuring affiliate sales and trying to track the source of those sales? Right. To get some sort of useful measurement, right? To understand because right. what you're really trying to do is 
the customer journeys. That's the first thing I do is I would go back to planning and I would think about that customer journey. So they're on Facebook. They're going to go to, well, actually I'm to ask you. So in, in this example, would it be like Facebook to like a blog post that you wrote that describes and reviews the product and that blog post sends them over to the third-party affiliate site and then they yes. buy over there, right? Okay. Yeah. Something like that. Or it might be like a listicle where they'll have a number of different affiliates in that post, yep. but yes. The, so we're going from either Facebook or Pinterest to the blog post to hopefully the affiliate sale. Gotcha. Okay. So in that case, the way first thing I would do is questions I'm asking are A, how many people are interested in, in moving from Facebook over to my site, right? So I'd measure for that. And then I would set, you know, with UTMs and everything that identify came from Facebook. My job was to promote this affiliate product, right? So we know all that. Then I would look at measuring on site when they're when they're on our site if, on that blog post. Did that blog post do its job? So it's not just, and this is where, again, you, you you start to get to the point where you might have to bring in some other tools like Tag Manager because you get to a point where Google Analytics can't answer the questions on its own that you're asking. So if I wanted to know how many people are landing on the blog post, that's one thing. But for me to go to Google Analytics and say, of the people that came on the blog post, how many actually read it? Not scanned it up and down, but actually read it, spent some time with it, and then clicked on that button to go to the affiliate form. Well, that's where Tag Manager is beautiful. It comes in and can totally do that and, and help you out with that. And it can make sure that Google Analytics has that information so you can get those kind of answers. That's what I would measure for. So Facebook says they showed, you know, 100 people came over. Of the 100 people that came over to the blog, let's say maybe 90 actually make it. Of the 90 people that came to the blog, how many were there 10 seconds later? Because if they're not there 10 seconds, I got a problem with my Facebook ad and the expectation that that mm. user had coming to the blog, right? If they're not sitting around 10 seconds, there was expectation mismatch and I got to fix that. So, but at least I know what actions to take. But let's say they are staying around 10 seconds and they even, they stay scroll 45% of the way through the blog and they click on my affiliate link. At that point, I now know how many people Facebook sent over to the blog. And of those people, I understand the funnel that's happening on the page itself and I know how many clicks now were generated attributed to Facebook at this point that went to the affiliate site. At that point, now it goes dark because you can't measure the affiliate site, right? You can't put your code on their pages. So you sort of have to just, at that point, there's a, there's a, there is a disconnect, but you at least know how many clicks Facebook sent to that affiliate site and you know how you got those clicks. So you know how to adjust your blog post along the way, because it's one thing to know 20% of the people are, are clicking over to the, to the affiliate site from your blog post. It's more important to know 98% of the people that are coming to the blog post are leaving within 10 seconds because then you go, oh, that's where I need to fix. I need to make sure more people are sticking around longer. That will lead me to get more people clicking you know, to the affiliate site. Then you have a sort of, a, you know, again, there's, there is a disconnect. You won't know that Facebook did the affiliate site necessarily. Again, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. You could, it depends upon the affiliate platform. Sometimes you can put identifiers in there, right. but let's assume you can then you would go to the affiliate platform. And at that point, you're up, it's the affiliates platform saying, okay, we, you said, you know, you would know I sent hundred clicks. Again, let's say 90 of them show up on the affiliate side. And then how many of those sales did you get from the 90? Okay. 10 people bought great. So now, you know, roughly 10% of the people purchased for X amount of dollars. At that point, I have a forecast where I can now say, okay, if this continues to work the way it's supposed to, or that it has, I am going to send a thousand people to the blog post from Facebook. Of those thousand people, I'm going to get a hundred people to click. And of those hundred people to click, I'm going to sell roughly 10 and for this amount. So it should generate this much revenue. And that, then I would measure against that to make sure that's still happening over and over and over again. And if it continues okay. to happen in a good way, then it's just, okay, cool. It's, it's working. Let's go get scale. Let's go get more eyeballs. Very good. That's very helpful. I've heard of this tool called ClickMeter. Are you familiar with ClickMeter? And I haven't. I haven't how, used those yet. Okay. So I heard that it's something that I think could help track those affiliate sales maybe once it you know kind of goes dark on their end. But I think that that would have to all be integrated. But at least a tracking to the affiliate site, we can use Tag Manager to help us with that. Absolutely. And there's a lot you can do. Again, when you use the tools, the tendency is there's a lot of, there is a lot of cool push button solutions out there, but get really, really good at Tag Manager, Google Analytics, and Data Studio first, because okay. a lot of times you can solve those problems with those tools anyway. Now, and again, sometimes you, you can't, and you see these other tools where you're like, okay, now it's actually something really useful, totally enhances our measurement. For example, something like Hotjar is Google Analytics doesn't have scroll maps. Google Analytics doesn't have heat maps. Tag Manager can't help you with that. Data Studio can't help you with that. You need something like Hotjar to do that because it, it's a paid tool and it's simple to use, but it does something completely different that you can't do 
within those tools already. And so that's an example of that. But absolutely, if, if, if I'm a big believer in like, get good enough to get going, you come back and make it better later on. So if it's easier for somebody to use a, a tool because they don't want to go through the complicated what they think is complicated with Google Analytics, awesome. Use the tool. Whatever it is to get momentum and progress is the most important thing. Very cool. And as far as getting started, because we've talked about a lot of different things that you can you can do here, and it's important to know your numbers from everything that we've talked about today. You can see why this is important to do. But when you're just getting started, just to simplify it, go back to what you talked about at the beginning of our interview today is think about the questions that you're trying to solve. What are you trying to track first? What story are you trying to figure out first and start there? So if you have one core product, then maybe start there with the customer journey and then putting some things in place there. And then you can get more granular with other things as you go. Absolutely. And it's, it's funny because when we do training, sometimes people will always ask us the question of like, well, I'm just trying to figure out like how my blog works or how, or how people are using the homepage, which sounds like a good question. But the first thing I say to them is, okay, how are they supposed to be using the blog? How are they supposed to be using the homepage? And it's blank stares always because they don't, they don't know. They just build it and threw it up there, but they right. didn't really have a plan for it. And that's the idea. That's, that's the muscle to build that most people aren't aware that they should be using. Once you're aware of it, it's easier to, it really is easy to build that muscle. You just got to be aware that you should, but start thinking in terms of that. How should my customer journey operate? And if you don't know, guess, because either way, you're going to measure against it and you're going to figure out where you're wrong. And the system, right? As, as entrepreneurs, it's important we have good systems. The system will get feedback from the measurements coming in and it'll help to inform you and you'll make better guesses and you'll get better and you'll get better and you'll get better. So I think it's really, really important, like you said, just to have that future focus of this is how it's supposed to work and is it working the way it's supposed to? Yeah, that's great. This has been so helpful, so incredibly helpful, Mercer. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this with us. I know you've got some resources to point our ways for if we're looking to get started with Google Analytics or UTMs or Tag Manager, what can you share so that we can go dig in to learn more? Absolutely. So of course, measurementmarketing.io is our site. So you can go there and you can learn about the Measure Marketing Academy and everything else there if you want. But we do have a free level of the membership that has weekly training that, that people can have access to. There's also, I think now about 40 different tools that we've created actually for our paid members, but we do make those tools available for free members as well. Things like there's a traffic tracking toolkit back there that will help you to structure the UTMs properly and think through your traffic strategy. That's a very popular one. So I would definitely recommend everybody use that one. That can be found in our free toolbox membership. And if you just go to measurementmarketing.io forward slash flourish. So measurementmarketing.io forward slash flourish. That will take you to that page so that you can do that. And this is another reason to do that is when you go to measurementmarketing forward slash, excuse me, measurementmarketing.io forward slash flourish, you will see how we are using UTMs to identify this podcast so that we know how this podcast is working. And more importantly, so we know how podcasts in general work for us. Because the only reason that I'm doing podcasts right now is because we know it works. It wasn't a guess. It wasn't because it was the cool thing to do. It wasn't because we read a blog post. It was because the numbers said, oh, that podcast you did way back in the day for social media marketing, the social media marketing podcast, that created long tail traffic. Digital marketers podcast created long tail traffic. And we started going, hmm, podcast, maybe that's a good channel for us. And it has been, but that's how we, but we don't just assume it's always going to be. We're always measuring to say, is podcast traffic working the way it's supposed to? And that's how we do it with those UTMs. And so everybody can see how we're doing that. Again, just measuremarketing.io for slash flourish. And you'll see that. Perfect. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. I'm going to go check that out right now, but thank you so much for your time and sharing your wisdom with us. This was incredibly helpful. Yeah. Happy to help. And again, pleasure being here. Hopefully there's some value. Thank you. Wow. That was so good. I absolutely loved that interview. Of course, I took pages and pages of notes as I always do. But after the interview, Chris and I talked about how iOS 14 and the changes that are happening, whether it's iOS 14 or GDPR back a few years ago or anything else that occurs, you know, is just part of doing business. So you don't need to be afraid. Just learn and adjust as needed, but you don't need to be afraid as to what is coming down the pike. We're all marketers. We're here to help and serve people with our businesses. So just keep that in mind as you keep going. I want to give a huge thank you once again to Mercer for coming on the podcast and sharing his journey and his wisdom with us. Be sure to check out his free resources, including the traffic tracking toolkit at measurementmarketing.io slash flourish. 
We covered so many topics and ideas in this episode. I would love to hear your biggest takeaways. Share those with Chris and I in the comments at monicalouis.com slash 105. And you'll find all the links and resources there on that page at monicalouis.com slash 105. Thank you so much for joining Mercer and me today. If you are ready to scale your business with Facebook ads, then check out my free Facebook ad starter kit. You can find that at monicalouis.com slash guide. The starter kit takes you through these six simple steps for creating campaigns that convert. Plus there's an awesome checklist. You can make sure you've got everything you need before you dive into the ads manager. And if you're like me, then you appreciate a good checklist. And if you're interested in learning more about how my team and I might be able to help you with your Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest ads, go to monicalouis.com slash WWM. We have information there about our services. As I mentioned, we'll have all the links and resources that were mentioned in today's show in the show notes, and you can find those at monicalouis.com slash 105. If you have found this podcast helpful, please be sure to follow the show in your favorite podcast app so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday, and we've got a ton of great episodes heading your way. That is all for today. Take care, stay healthy, and let's flourish.